0: too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy 30.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan
2: Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman.
3: Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. He played in the NFL. I covered the league. Now we both talk into microphones. I do it every day on the radio. He does it uh, twice a week on this podcast, as well as live <laughs> on on Twitter, which is I find hilarious. Like I'm scrolling Twitter this morning, and I got to give credit to uh, whoever's running the account because they go, "Stop scrolling." Check out Practice Live, and there you are on Twitter, a place that you otherwise don't exist.
2: I don't exist, yeah. I mean, I didn't even know that was a thing, so thank you for bringing that to my attention. <laughs> yeah,
3: that, that's one of the places that you guys are, are streaming during Practice, you, Julie, yeah. Santana. Um, I also wanted to start the show real quick, Logan, before we dive in uh, with a shout-out uh, to Chris Potts. Tomorrow oh, yeah. is his birthday uh, and his girlfriend, Amanda reached out and said, Hey, Chris is a long time, uh, Washington fan and a fan of the pod. Would it be, you know, could you and Logan give him a shout out on the pod for his birthday? So Chris, happy birthday. Here we are. Happy Making birthday. Your come true.
2: You know, what's really funny is when I first got that message, I thought the, the, the young lady was talking about doing that on the, on the. On the take command, or on the uh, on the TV show, mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, that's way above my pay grade." And then she was like, "No, I meant on the take command." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, of course we can do that. Yeah,
3: we it's can do like, that. We're yeah, in charge. We, we're, here.
2: we're the boss of that.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're in charge. People that are in charge of us, we can give birthday shout outs if we want to. Now we're gonna yeah. get inundated. Uh, no more. But Chris, happy birthday to you! Uh, all right, so here's what we got on Chris's birthday edition of this podcast. <laughs> Sam Cosby's playing guard all of a sudden. Yeah. And we'll talk about Antonio Gibson and we'll talk about the third down defense, what we can learn from Kansas City. We'll talk about all that coming up. But Cosby's now played guard two days in a row at practice. And a huge reason why, slash the primary reason why, is yeah. all the other guards ahead of him are hurt. But yeah. which is a lot of guards. Of, which is, which is, is a, lot guards, a lot of guards. A lot of guards. A lot of guards. Um, and by the way, that includes Andrew Norwell, who initially, when he missed, they were like, "Oh, it's a vet day," and it's like, well, "How many vet days does he get?" Like, yeah. no, he's he's hurt now. Um, yeah. But you also liked Cosme as a guard coming out of college, yeah. and you've, from what we've talked about, you've been kind of impressed with him the last couple of days. Like, yeah. are we seeing some kind of shift that could be more permanent for Cosme? Because he did play pretty well last year at tackle, um, and, and certainly was slated to be their starter there.
2: Yeah. So interesting. So kind of long, long wind up here. Um, you know, when I was doing draft evaluations, like one of the things that stuck out to me about the class was like, and and the team was that they needed some tackle depth. Right. And, you know, I kind of was like, well, they hadn't really signed Trey Turner yet. Well, maybe they could bump Cosby me into guard. Cause this, this last year's uh, draft was very, very deep in tackle depth. Like I like guys all the way up in like the fourth round. So, um, you know, they didn't go that direction, but like during that process, I I started talking to people, I started looking at stuff, and then I went back to my Cosme evaluation, like the first bullet point on the list from two years ago was like, I think he would be an exceptional guard. And that doesn't mean he's a bad tackle, like I think he's actually a very good tackle, it's just like he has kind of all the stereotypical measurements, right, his arms are a little bit short for tackle, he's got like outstanding acceleration and power and speed, and He's played a ton of football. He's got a lot of awareness for the position. He just he just speaks guard to me. Like I think he's going to be a, a a great tackle, but I think he'd be an exceptional guard. So I'm kind of excited just from like a football fan standpoint just to see if that evaluation runs through runs true. And also like he's a good football player. So like finding ways to get him on the field and keeping him on the field, I think are important. And it's important to note that the reason he's playing guard is not because they don't like him at tackle. It's because Cornelius Lucas can't play guard. So you're getting your five best guys on the field for this week. Cause you mentioned, let's just review the guards real quick that have been hurt. So Trey Turner, Norwell and Schweitzer, who's been absolutely mm. outstanding in training camp, is hurt, and that's a big one because he also backs up center. So now, all of a sudden, if he's hurt for an extended period of time, I don't think he will be. I, we chatted for like two seconds today; he seemed like in good spirits. I didn't ask him about the injury specifically, but he was up, you know. And usually, if you yeah. get n- news, you're going to get a surgery. You're not quite that way. Um, <laughs> and so, so, but if like if he he's not going to miss an extended period of time, but like you know, he backs up center, he backs up both guard spots, and so that that was a big miss. Now, right, and then obviously. Um, Sadiq Charles is playing left guard in replacement of Norwell and Chris Paul played guard the first day Norwell missed and did an okay job but I think you see kind of some of his greenness coming through and I don't think if you're Ron or Matt Scow you feel comfortable with him protecting Carson just from like a comfortable standpoint does that make sense what i'm saying like he's yeah he no, physically you know you was feel good. a
3: lot better with this current alignment with cosme yeah. than you do with with the younger guy in there who is you know especially you know we're talking if it's regular season you got to do what you got to do like that's sometimes what happens you have to go out there with yeah. your best option and your best option is not that good um relatively mm-hmm. speaking to nfl levels but especially yeah. in preseason you got some time to tinker you don't want your guy getting hurt uh yeah. Because you're and, and also, you know, the other thing, too, that that I'll just mention real quick with all of these O-linemen is not only are you now worried about them not getting back for the regular season and games that matter. They've missed enough time that there's a lot of work that needed to get done that's not getting done at the highest level right. because they're gone. And while they individually might know the system, specifically with Turner and Norwell having played in it before, veterans that have been in the, in the league a long time, like that cohesiveness of the offensive line group that you hope to build during training camp is not happening. And they, the start, what is supposed to be the starting o line will have played zero snaps probably this entire preseason unless they can get all of a sudden everybody back next week but next week they're probably not gonna play their starters anyway because it, was out still by the time Turner got hurt right and so Turner comes back Rui or Turner goes out Rouye comes back and then now Norwell's out now Cosme's kicked inside like it's just it's not a good situation even if they do have some things that might come out of it that are ultimately silver linings.
2: And I think the other thing that's important to note, I think you bring up great points there as always, but I think the important thing to note is that when West goes down, he had been working with the starters at both guard spots. So he's the guy that is like the glue that held that kind of chemistry together. He played center when Norwell and Turner win, right? He plays guard when Rullier comes back. He plays left guard when Norwell's got the first vet day, right? And so he kind of had, he was the stopgap. He had played all the spots. He'd worked with those guys extensively. And then all of a sudden you take that piece out, which had kind of been, keeping the, you know, the metaverse together, so to speak. And then you got a whole bunch of new guys playing football that haven't played together, right? All of a sudden Sadiq's playing with Roulier and Leno and that hasn't happened in the preseason, right? You get Chris Paul playing and I don't want to make it sound like he did a bad job because physically I think he's perfectly capable of it. Like he does stuff. He had a pass pro against John Allen where he just totally locked him down at the line of scrimmage. Like that dude, Chris Paul is freaky strong, freaky strong, but it's on the details, right? Like just as an example. So he's playing right guard. They run a stunt where the end crosses his face. And he always or the three technique crosses his face. And he's he's part of the slide. And he pushes through to the end. But he can't push through in that look because there's not a blitzer to that side. He's got to stay until the setter takes over. And then he can push through. And so those are the things with him. Like physically he can do it. But it's the little details there that, that would lead to hit on your quarterback, right? So then you put Cosmian, who I've already said I like at guard. But to your point, he hasn't played next to Roulier and he hasn't played next to Lucas before. So there's going to be a little bit of communication there. And as much as I like Sadiq and think he's probably the second best out, it's crazy. This is this is like I'm getting off point here. Obviously, I'm fired up. But, um, yeah. you know, Cosby play. Probably, this is where you're yeah. at now.
3: You're an O-line Co- coach. Co-
2: yeah, Cosme's probably, probably the best athlete on the O-line, and Zadik's probably the second best athlete. So getting both those guys in the field, the O-line, it, like when it's when it's time to run, those guys can straight haul. Like, and it's impressive. It's just about whether they can get these things targeted and work in the double teams and combinations together. So again, I'm excited to see those guys, just from a pure like evaluation standpoint. But again, it is... There is that certain certain like magic pixie dust that sprinkles on every O-line that makes it good, that kind of makes it better than the sum of your parts, and that group
3: hasn't had time to to get that done yet. So the other issue here we're talking about, though, is the roster makeup, and that is sure. kind of also why Cosme kicks out the tackle last year, right? Like he comes in, and Brandon Sheriff is the incumbent right guard. Cosme ain't playing guard. And so... Yeah. Now you've signed Norwell, you've signed Turner, you have Schweitzer, and so while Cosme is a good tackle and you think could be a great guard, where is like what's his highest and best use for this football team considering the guys around him?
2: Yeah, like if they had made an investment in a first round tackle, for example, like there was whispers about um, maybe uh, Evan Neal uh, falling to them at eleven. And if that happens, you say, okay, Evan Neal has played right tackle, left tackle, bump Cosme into guard because I think he's a better guard. Boom, boom, everything's taken care of. Excellent, right? Or even like Trevor Penning if they went that way. Or I was even thinking if Daniel Falalele, the kid from Minnesota who's in Baltimore, if he if he fell and you were able to get him, like why not? Because he's only played tackle. I think now you're in an interesting situation because I, I, personally, I personally think his best use is probably guard, but on this team, he's your best – Probably your best tackle, honestly, even better than Leno. So, like, this, this is a big thing. Now, the difference between him and Cornelius is the question, like, because Cornelius can't play guard. So, if you're giving them a rating, Cornelius as a guard is probably like a three out of ten, while Cosme could be a seven or eight out of ten and be a seven or eight at tackle. But you know, so you're kind of just balancing
3: the, well, so the scales So then, kind of here. the question is like, is Lucas better at tackle or Norwell better at guard?
2: Nor is Lucas better at tackle or I would say Norwell's better at guard. So at that when point Norwell, you,
3: kick, you kick Cosme out. But it also depends on right. his injury situation. But is. also
2: but also I think that's the interesting thing is Norwell only has played left guard this whole offseason. Right now Cosme's playing right guard, so that's where Trey Turner I mean, was. Turn, that's where was. Sorry,
3: Turner at guard. Right. I have my, yeah. my guards backwards.
2: Yeah, so I think I think the thing is that, that becomes an interesting question. I think Wes is an excellent guard. I think Turner's an excellent guard. I think I think that, but I both think they're better at guard than Lucas is at tackle. So I think mm-hmm. Lucas again just falls to that swing guy. I think that's ultimately how it goes. And Lucas might come out and show why he's one of the best swing tackles in the NFL and remember uh, Ty and Secchi and he'd come out and start mm-hmm. and look like a baller. If that do you remember th- this happened in New York in two thousand sixteen? Um some the guard went down. I think Spencer Long goes down and the, Ty was the only active offensive lineman. So they bumped Trent in, Trent into guard and Ty to tackle. And yep. Trent, and Trent looked Trent amazing. Said, at
3: Don't guard. ever do that again. Yeah, but he but looked he amazing had, at guard. I hated it. Yeah, but of course he looked course amazing. He looked amazing. Yeah. <laughs>
2: but Cause I'm cause saying like lines. that's just, that's essentially right. what's happening. Is your swing tackle can't play guard, but your right tackle is the best athlete on the group. So bump him into guard. Let him play football, and I think you're in a good spot.
3: Well, That's good. That's encouraging that they have some options, but they also need to get these guys back. They but they then, need. But, they need to get healthy before the regular season and get some reps in. Um, because otherwise you're, you're looking like you're just asking for something bad to happen. You're asking for miscommunication. You're asking for, you know, guys to, and like there, there's a point where it's become silver lining, right? Like, Oh, they've missed some time, but other guys have gotten opportunities. It was kind of your theory with Jahan uh, in the spring, yeah. with Terry not being there. But there does come a point of diminishing returns, like one or two days. Fine. Now is the day, but now but, is the but time. Like, you're right, you get back after this this second preseason game. The season's all of a sudden two weeks away, and your starting offensive line has played zero snaps together in the preseason or all off because Rui was hurt. Like that's that's not how you draw it up.
2: Absolutely. And I think the other thing that you're running into now is like, if there is an injury to Lucas or an injury to one of the guards, like what's the next step is Chris Paul, like a a seventh round drafted O-lineman who played tackle in college. Like that's where you're at. And it's not like the prettiest situation, you know, and like, I like Chris a lot. I think he could be a starter in the NFL someday, but I don't think that day is today. So, again, that's another issue that you're working on. It's so critical that they get West back. It's so, so critical that he that that's not a serious injury because, again, like I said, he's the kind of interchangeable chess piece there that allows that group to kind of, even with the injury, remain somewhat intact. So getting him back will be huge. Obviously, Trey Turner, I mean, his I think he's got a quad strain or something like that. Yeah, He's been out for... Three weeks, three and a half, two and a half weeks. Yeah, I mean, like it was supposed so, to be like while.
3: 10 days, and and that's been double and then some. And there's, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm looking through Ron's quotes right now. I, I don't see anything on, on any updates on any of those guys uh, that was asked about today. So it's, I mean, this team is banged up beyond the O-line, too, because you've also got, I mean, Nate Gary, linebacker, was playing tight end a little bit today. Uh, because you're down to two tight ends. How many more people have to go down until they call you and be like, Hey, we got an 82 Jersey somewhere in here. Well, uh, Uh, we know, you know, you study a lot and you know, the offense get out here.
2: Yeah. Scott Turner actually came up to me and said, how many plays do you think you could give me in the game? And he was joking around, but I was like, Oh, we're getting serious now. If like, if this is on your mind every time you see me, you know what I mean? But
3: so I brought this up with, uh, who was I bringing this up with the other day? Uh, I don't know. It might've been Zach. Sell. I don't know whoever it was. It was someone on the radio show. And I said, what we need you to do is pull a Chris Cooley in 2015. Cause Chris remember he like was like, I'm coming back. And he yeah. was trying to lobby. He was lobbying everyone behind the scenes. Yeah. Like he was, he was serious about it uh, to a point, but like, You've stayed in a lot better shape than Chris relative to football. It's true. Uh, and and you I mean, obviously Chris studied a lot and that's that was why he was so great on the radio. But like you uh I don't know, I, I think I think for the purposes of promoting this podcast and getting ears on it, we need to just start floating that you are <laughs> thinking about maybe coming back if the yeah. team needs you. <clears throat> It's it's a stunt. You don't actually have to get in football shape. You don't yeah. have to think about taking hits. Your wife can call off the hit on me. But yeah. I just just for <laughs> the, really the, the sake one, yeah. of the podcast, I think we need to start pushing this narrative.
2: Well, dude, like I'm so, after he asked me, I was like, you know, I kind of was like, was driving home, getting ready for the podcast, and I was like, could I do it? Like, could I go out? And then the party was like. Yeah, it's the preseason. Of course you could do it. And then you're like, can you even do that? Like, I, like where are you? and Like, where are you? Are you so deluded? Or can you actually get it done? Because, like, sometimes I'm watching practice. I'm like, I can do that still. Like, you know, I could block a six technique. I still got that in me. But then I'm like, it's been a couple years, you know, since you've been out there banging around. So uh, part of me was like, I wanted to go back to Scott and be like, yeah, let's do it. And then I was like, do I really want to, though? Do I want to, like, be unconscious on the field? Like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So... It was, uh, it, was, it was interesting, though, how that always kind of itches at you.
3: The game kind of itches at you, you know? You know what we just did? We got our headline. Logan Paulson <laughs> considers comeback. He didn't consider it for very long, and at the <laughs> end of his consideration, he very much decided it was a bad idea. But he considered it. Logan considers a comeback.
1: Plaster yeah. it everywhere. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy
0: For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
3: Let's take command from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. He used to, keywords used to, play in the NFL. <laughs> um, I, I'm Craig Hoffman. I just host a radio show. And I never did. Uh, so the other big talking points this week are the third down defense and then Antonio Gibson's evolving True. role. And I want to start with Gibson because, you know, like when we talk about like, the silver lining stuff with the O-line – I actually kind of wonder if this might wind up being a silver lining situation with how Gibson Robinson and McKissick are used this season. Nevertheless, Curtis Samuel who should also be mentioned here as a guy who will get carries. Uh, and that's been like the bright spot of training camp. The plan, so to speak, is working. Um, he's continued to be in practice all week. He looked good in the preseason game and he's expected to play as much as anybody else. Uh, his full complement of snaps on Saturday. So with, with, Gibson, he fumbles, he let the league in fumbles the last two years. Like, it's obviously a problem. They have now gone seemingly to an approach where he is a potential rotation piece for them, where he's going to have some kind of other role on the team because he's not so vital to the offense and playing so much on the offense that you can't afford him to play special teams, even if it is just as a kick returner. Like, they are giving him reps back there. He got some reps as the personal punt protector. And considering what we saw from Brian Robinson, which is an extension of the things that you've been seeing since the spring with Brian Robinson, I actually wonder if a more even carry distribution and the chance for Gibson to make an impact in other areas could be the highest and best use to use that phrase again for those two backs. Nevertheless, what it could open for JD McKissick and, you know, whatever Samuel's going to get, that's probably untouched, but certainly Samuel will be in the mix to get a couple of carries every couple of games
2: yeah and I think we talked about this on the show before of uh, basically saying that I think that you know Ro- uh Gibson getting less touches is beneficial for not only Gibson but also for the offense as a whole and I could see a world where um, Robinson ends up with more touches than Gibson you know as a as a runner and I think um and I think that's holding true. I think that's still a fair analysis. And what I mean by that is two days ago, uh, two days ago, three days ago, when they had pads on, like Gibson lined up at receiver a whole bunch and made a whole bunch of plays in the passing game, two minute, um, you know, seven on seven. And so that was nice to see. And again, like I think about these running back combinations that are really successful, that are a little bit more traditional. And one of them is the guy, to me, the perfect example is the, the, the guys up in Green Bay, A.J. Dillon being that big bruising kind of back with good vision I think he's a little bit more of a bruiser than Robinson but again the vision transfers the physicality transfers and then uh, Aaron Jones who's kind of this pass catching slash weapon and he's he's a great runner he's a better runner than Gibson but I think in terms of explosive play potential the, the the comparisons are very very similar so I think that kind of usage pattern would be great and then you throw McKissick in there too and having three guys like that is pretty spectacular I think so um, you know, Tan and I were talking was, talking about this, this on the show early in the offseason about who the kick return is going to be. And I was like, why not have Gibson do it? Like, he is a space player. He's better in space. Kick return is a space type of play. He did it in college. Why not get him out there? Like, I'd almost like to see him return punts. Like, let the man touch the football in space situations, pass game, run game, uh, specific, specific types of runs, much like they use Tony Pollard, and then find other ways to get him the football. Like, even though his rushing touches will go down, like he might be more effective with those other types of touches, so I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing for Gibson. I think it's it should be a wake up call. You know, it's it's so I don't want to say ironic, but like the the day after, you know, he's one of the things I noticed about like Alfred Morris never fumbled the football, or very rarely fumbled the football. And one of the things about him is that ball was bolted to his chest when he was cutting, when he was falling, he would fall on his face before the ball left his chest. And today we were watching Gibson do drills, Santana and I. And the second he makes a cut, that ball starts to drift away from his body. Like it's just who he is. And I don't know if they why they can't get it corrected. But to me, like that that needs to be a bigger point of emphasis, probably by the running backs coach, Randy Jordan, just to say, hey, like this. Any time we're doing anything, that ball needs to be stapled to that peck. And um, until that happens, like he's not going to get a lot of touches. I, I don't think because like there's the risk. And Brian Robinson. He, he's been a running back his whole life. That thing, it does not move from his body under any circumstance. So he's, not, I don't think he's going to put the football on the ground.
3: So that that's kind of the question is like, can they fix it? Or is it just because the way I treated it on the show on Monday, when I was talking about this on, on the radio side of things was like, you don't have to cut Antonio Gibson. Cause there's some people no. that are like, Oh, he's terrible. Blah, blah. And it's like, no, that's, we've now swung ridiculously far the other way. What you do have to do is, Assume that he's going to fumble every so often. You just have to factor that into your equation of how and when you use him. And if there's certain situations, like if you're in the red zone and you're like, we cannot afford to lose points here, then Gibson's not in the game because you're going to give the ball to a guy that you feel like you can trust to not fumble it. If you're running out of your own end, same thing. But, like, between the 20s, when your entire playbook is available and a guy like Gibson in space and the versatility is something that could be beneficial, sure. Like, he's still got a very large role potentially on this team. It's just not like unquestioned RB1. And I think that, as good as Robinson has been, that was still the case until he put that ball on the turf against Carolina.
2: Right. And I think it was, you know, it was interesting talking to guys, coaches, players around the building. Before the game, there were. There was enough whispers that I was starting to doubt whether that was true anyway. You know what I mean? And maybe this proved this this just served as the catalyst to kind of make that switch official. You know what I mean? Like, guys were talking, oh, you know, you really got to watch so-and-so. Brian Robinson, oh, my God, he's going to be up And that's not just one person. That was multiple people. Players were saying that. And so, obviously, that was kind of reflective of a mindset in the building. And, um, and not that that's an indictment on AG, but maybe they wanted to get him more. And I wanted to bring this point up, right? So, um, there's a value. There's a value in this offense with this quarterback to having a running back who's not going to take a, a negative play who's going to bat a single every single time, who's going to get you two or three yards kind of at a minimum. And Brian Robinson on his college tape through training camp in the preseason so far has been that guy. You know, like I like to make the comparison, like we compared him to A.J. Dillon. Like A.J. Dillon, like he's not a flashy runner. He's not, you know, super sexy. But the dude does not take negative runs. And that is valuable because it keeps you on schedule. Third and seven, or, or second and seven, second and four or second and six is awesome for an offense because you're ahead of you're ahead of the defense at that point. And that's just from having a consistent runner at the position. Imagine, you know, it's it's second and ten and you're able to run the ball for five yards and you're in third and five. That is a big deal as opposed to getting a zero gain or whatever that is. So that I think is where the value is right now for him is that you can trust him to keep you on schedule. And while McKissick and while Gibson are tremendous Athletes and they provide this explosive playability as runners, they can't give you that with the same percentage of certainty that Robinson can.
3: Yeah. I, and by the way, I do think McKissick is a little underrated as a runner. He, he gets so oh, much credit dude. as a pass catcher for the obvious reasons that he's as good as there is in the league. That's not named Alvin Kamara, um, yeah. but at least statistically. But I, I do think he's a good runner, too, that, that we'll see that play out throughout the year. It's going to be interesting to watch. The other problem that kind of lingered from last year into this year in terms of carryover uh, to at least to game one, was the third down defense? Carolina goes 11 of 18 on third down. Uh, it's been a top a talking point all week for Jack. For when he took the podium yesterday, uh, Bobby McCain was asked about it. Ron's obviously been asked about it, and Jack said something that I I don't know what to make of it, um, which is that we're talking about the the three at least given up by that first team defense on the first drive. It's all different problems, and he said it is like, well, it's you know, it's not like we're repeating the same problem. That's that's a good thing, and I'm like, is it is it a good thing that you've got different problems? I mean, I guess I guess at the end of the day, where I've where I've fallen after thinking about it for a couple of days is yes, like you've got some individual issues that that need to be cleaned up. You don't have like a larger systemic thing that is sure. causing a repeat issue, but you know, hey, we made three different mistakes on three different key third down situations. Uh, it Doesn't exactly make you feel you know warm and fuzzy inside so what did you see on on the third downs uh not only with the first team but like any any patterns that may have emerged to you throughout the game where where they ultimately give up over 50 percent to carolina
2: right so i gotta say this to start the defense did a good job they played physically in the front they matched concepts well with the back the four back guys right um fuller bobby mccain uh Old Billy three himself, and then um, Cam Crow. You know, when they were in their coverage contours, did a good job, right? And the front did a good job in terms of fitting runs and playing physical football and creating pressure. Like, they, they had a good outing, I would say. I think the problem comes on the third downs, obviously, with some of the communication issues. Like, the first one, like Cam Crow's played a lot of Buffalo Nickel, but he's definitely played more safety during training camp. In this game, because of the personnel groupings that Carolina was in, he played a little bit more Buffalo nickel than I think he was probably – than the training camp would indicate, right? So he gets in a situation where he doesn't know all of the adjustments. He knows a lot of it. He's a very smart football player, but there's a little bit of a miscommunication with him and Holcomb. I get that. That happens in the – Also, priests. by the way, on
3: that play, was they were, were they in man, and was that also Danny Johnson issue to carry him across the formation?
2: So they pass, like when, they, when, pe- when teams run mesh versus certain coverages, and they have a lot of coverages in, and I try to tell everyone this who will listen, it's so hard in the NFL, even for offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators from other teams, to tell exactly what the rules are, because every situation dictates a little bit of a rule, right? So, for example, they're in a 3 by one there with the tight end. You know, maybe they don't pass that usually, or maybe they do. It looked like, to me, I'm going to defer to Holcomb in that situation, who looked like he wanted to pass the concept, right? Right. And Curl was the one who's kind of backing off, like I don't really know what to do, right? So that's where I would say, they probably should have passed it. And again, I might be wrong, you know, that's a Jack Del Rio question, and he's probably the only one in the building who could answer that specifically. Him or Rock, the safeties coach, you know? Um, But I think that that that's an issue, right, that needs to be correct. And that happens with reps, right? That just happens with time on task, seeing new things. And if they had been game planning, I don't think that's an issue because they would have prepped for it, you know? So right. that's one thing. The second thing is they, they run like an arches. So, like, they're in a three-by-one. Um, the inside receiver runs like a gather route, so he takes away the middle linebacker. And then number two runs basically like a big slant in the slot on uh, Danny Johnson. And Danny Johnson, his help is... Outside, it's the safety, right? So he should funnel that player out. But Danny weaves too wide, right? And he opens his hip too early, and the guy crosses his face. So when you get to talk, I had a little conversation with some of the defensive coaches earlier in the week, and they were like, yeah, we just got to keep our leverages a little bit better. Like, if he keeps his leverage, like, that's a non-issue. And again, that's a young player, a relatively young player, who doesn't get a lot of reps with that group in a situation which he's never been in before. Versus a look that he hasn't seen in camp, really, because our defense does, our offense doesn't run that concept out of that formation, usually. Okay. So again, I'm not that worried about that. Again, like Danny can get better. He had a pretty good game outside of that, and Cam can get better. And I think both those problems are corrected just by time on task, seeing different looks and getting better. And I don't remember the third down, the other third down that the,
3: uh, uh, the touchdowns. Was... It was no, it was uh, a running play where Payne kind of got blown out of his gap. Uh, Cole, it was like third and f- oh, three, yeah. third third and four. Pop. It, it yeah. was a five five yard run. Cole winds up making the tackle, but it, it, Payne kind of gets gets blown out. Maybe Jamin could have cut through and made a play uh, sooner, but yeah, it, I, I didn't. I remember, you know. So when I yeah.
2: watched that, I kind of thought Cole went to the wrong gap. You know, what I mean, he kind of tried to play into a gap that he shouldn't have been in, just trying to make a play. And again, that's one of those elements of preseason you get the butterflies right Jamin misfit the first run of the game you know Cole misfits that run because you're, you're Ron excited had a pretty yeah.
3: funny quote about that too uh, he was, <laughs> yeah he was like you know I asked Jamin what happened he's like coach I got so excited to hit somebody I just went out there and I, I scraped when I should have fit or what, what yeah. he did the opposite of whatever he was supposed run. to do yeah he he,
2: he, he same he's shoulder, like I just hit, hit the it.
3: first thing I saw right. and he's like all right yeah. we'll settle in and let's let's go get yeah. him next time
2: yeah, and so I think that, that stuff happens. And again, I know fans don't want to hear that, but these are young football players with you know lim- like relatively limited playing careers. And I think those things happen. And it's okay that they happen in preseason. And again, when you are game planning for an opponent as a defense, remember defense is a very reactive uh, side of the football, right? You want to know what they run out of certain formations. And this is the first preseason game I remember playing this is the worst game because you have no idea what they're going to do. You have no idea what coverages are going to run. You have a, you can guess, but you don't really know. And you don't prep for it because the coaches don't care. So they're just like, go out there and play. Just react and play football. But in reality, you would have a better indication of how you were supposed to fit these certain runs. And I think that's just important for people to remind it. And they might have seen those runs in camp, but it's not the freshest thing in their mind because our offense or the, the commander's offense runs it a little bit different. So I, the thing I want to take away in terms of defense and third down is, do you want to get it corrected? Absolutely. Do I think all of those issues are correctable? 100%. Do I think even just game planning will help with that? Yes. But the things that I liked are things that are not are not coachable, right? They're like mindset, physicality, setting the tempo, and being the aggressor in a game. And I like that they came out with that mentality. The other stuff is correctable. Is it frustrating to see as a fan? 1,000% but I think it's stuff that, that, that'll get better, and I expect it to be better this week against Kansas
1: City. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild
3: Good transition. Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Uh, so Kansas City Chiefs, game three. They are one of the best teams in the NFL. They're certainly one of the best offenses in the NFL. They, of course, did lose Tyreek Hill. They still have Patrick Mahomes. Uh yeah. what first of all, like Kansas City schematically, what Andy Reid does, how, how does it compare to what scott turner has been doing because we're talking we're just talking about like the game planning type of stuff and the familiarity concepts you've seen concepts you haven't how much of, of there is there like a west coast crossover or any 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 concepts just a lot of the the go-to stuff randy Reed in that offense that will at least be familiar to the commander's defense come saturday in kansas city
2: yeah, so I think you know I just kind of buzzed the first eleven plays uh, for Kansas City and just kind of was like, what what are they doing? And they did they just ran kind of a basic offense. I think the thing that kind of popped out immediately is they had a fullback in the game for I think five of the eleven snaps. One of those was short yardage, but they they were like we're we're using a fullback. And so I think back to the short yardage days for this for this team, and because Scott's offense usually doesn't have a football in it, or since he's been there hasn't had a, a a fullback in in the game. On the short yardage days where there is a fullback, Alex Armour was playing fullback, the defense had a harder time fitting runs. Because having a fullback, it's so easy for the offense to add gaps, strong or weak, immediately. And that is really challenging for linebackers. And if you think back to the game uh, against the Chargers last year, the first game of the year, they ran a lot of fullback stuff and a lot of misfits. So that's something, if I'm Jack, if I'm the defense, I'm kind of saying, hey guys, let's just review our rules Versus these fullback runs that we were probably expecting to see this week, right? And then in addition to that, there's a whole bunch of play actions off of that personnel grouping. So got to kind of refresh those rules for that. In terms of concept, you know, I don't think they do anything magical. But I do think Patrick Mahomes does an excellent job. And Andy Reid does an excellent job of creating space. Like the field, when you watch them, it feels huge. It feels like there's so much grass to defend. And I think that's going to be a really unique challenge for this group. Um, who has made the field feel smaller versus our team. But at times versus Carolina, the field also started feeling big again, like there was a lot of grass to cover. So it'll be really interesting to see um, how they handle a team that excels at creating space.
3: They do. They excel creating space. Schematically, you know, Andy Reid does a great job. Eric Bianami, that whole staff does a great mm. job of giving Patrick Mahomes a lot of information. And Mahomes obviously is as good as anyone at using it. Um right. the, the speed and quickness makes that a lot easier. Um that that's ultimate like the ultimate challenge for a defensive back is like the suddenness of, of so many of their receivers, even without Tyreek Hill. Um, yeah. he was he's the best at it, but there's still there's still some talent there. And then, obviously, I think the other thing that you get a lot of work against, potentially, uh, certainly the highest level work in the league against outside of Aaron Rodgers, is anytime anything goes off schedule. Like, the oh. home's off schedule is a nightmare. And if, you know, that, that is the kind of stuff that... Has been a problem for this team uh, over the past year uh, on third down is a quarterback scramble whether it's with their legs picking up a first down whether it's making a playoff schedule and it's it's just so often it felt so close and so I'm I'm excited to see. Uh, if those situations arise, how this defense handles it, um, because it is the kind of thing that you're not going to ever find a better look than than that, uh, you know, as much as Heineke might run around in 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 your own training camp, he's not Patrick Mahomes. And so um, the discipline it takes to to stick with the rules, because th- those aren't free for all situations. There are rules. There are things that are supposed to happen when, when things go off schedule and to see how how the commander's defense reacts, I think is, is a nice test before the regular season.
2: Yeah, I think so too, and I think uh, when you watch the again those first eleven plays, like they were he was six for six or something like that, S- seven for seven. He was awesome, and again he did an excellent job of creating a little bit extra space. Not even not even where you'd get into like scramble rules necessarily, but enough extra stuff to kind of be like, you know, that's what makes him special. Just moving a little bit in the pocket, running a little bit to his right, throwing to the the comeback on the outside, and he just did a nice job. And I you know I will say uh, it's also important to note that without um they do have a lot of speed at the receiver position, but they've kind of they look more pedestrian outside, which is one of the reasons I think they've gone more fullback stuff lately. You know, it'll be interesting to see how much Kelsey plays. He got a lot of targets early and rightfully so. Um, who who matches up with him I think is a really compelling story, you know. Cam Curl, is it Benjamin St Just? And um yeah, I'm excited to watch the game. I think it, it presents a really unique challenge like Kansas City always does in terms of testing rules and Hopefully they have a little bit of a game plan in and Patrick Mahomes plays, you know, a quarter or, you know, a quarter and some in the, th- in the second quarter or whatever, because I think that will this is this will be a really, really good test for this group.
3: So Ron said today that he hopes the commander starters can play basically the entire first half. But with the injury situation, he's not sure if that's that's ultimately going to be how it plays out. Like how much how much do you think they need to play? Like what, what would be your strategy going into this game if you're trying to manage it? If you're Rivera.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good question, and and the answer is there's no right answer here. Just kind of going off gut, you know, if I put my head coaching hat on, like because we haven't had any joint practices, I probably want to see those guys play a little bit more. But again, like the O line's banged up. Like, could you imagine if they sustained an injury to one of those players? Like, I doubt Chase is going to play. I don't, I wouldn't play Chase right now. really. I, th- I think you know? that
3: they said that the plan was to play him, but he's on a He's on a pitch count. Like, pitch count, he'll come right. out before everybody else.
2: Right, which is, makes sense because you know, like, you know, I've talked to some people around the building. They say he's feeling good, but he's not quite there yet. You know, he's still working through. He's coming back from an injury, right? So I think that's um, that's important to keep in mind. Like, and then if, if anyone else gets banged up in that group, like, you are in some trouble. Assuming that you know West and those other guys are going to be a little bit longer returning. So again, you got to walk that tightrope. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm looking at the waiver wire or whatever. And maybe there's a couple of the backup guys, like we mentioned, Chris Paul, that you feel like could pop in for some of those veteran people, and to make sure everyone stays nice and healthy. But yeah, that's going to be really interesting because I don't want Carson in there if um, you know if the O line's not ready to go. Like every place I've ever been, the one O line plays as long as the starting quarterback does. And so if the one O line isn't quite there, how long is Carson actually going to play? You know, and if Chase comes out, I would imagine, I would imagine honestly that Carson might come out when Chase comes out. And maybe you feel comfortable with Ishmael in the center position, but that, to me, that's the million-dollar question. How comfortable do you feel with the O-line, and how long do they go? Because if they can't go very long, then I'm not keeping Carson out there. And then if I'm not keeping Carson out there, why would I keep anybody else out there, You know, running backs and receivers that I want playing football for me in uh, in the season?
3: Right. And so that actually gets to an interesting question, too. If like the one offense gets off early and Taylor goes in, Especially if the O line is banged up. Like Taylor is what he is. Like and and I know he's gonna want to work and as a competitor, he's gonna wanna be out there. And for as much as people got hyped about Sam Howell's performance, which was interesting, getting some of the feedback on your critique of how because I and I and I, I tweeted this directly at someone who was like it was there was like it was weird, like Logan it felt like Logan was harsh on how uh, whatever. I was like, No, it's just everyone else was so excited about him and, and Logan's pretty neutral to the tape. Like he just says what he sees on the tape. Right. And so if, if you're expecting to hear A and the greatest C, that sounds harsh, but it's just like right. no, he's got an elevated level of expertise that can actually tell you why the greatest C, which is why I like doing this podcast twice a week. Um, but <laughs> One thing I was thinking about is basically, like, with Taylor being what he is, a tried, trusted backup, do you try to get Howell some looks with the twos, like, basically your two offense plus your three quarterback, to try to get him some experience so that some of the things he maybe got away with against the threes and fours against Carolina, he now can start to understand that's not going to work or you not really mess with that. Is there too much internal dynamics or no real reason to, because how is going to get reps against the ones all season is the scout team quarterback anyway?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, So first off, I want to say that I thought Howell played well, despite those things, you know, like for a guy, a rookie quarterback coming in, despite those other variables, like I'm saying, I think you bring up a good point. Like everyone's, like, oh, he's the best. He should be starting. Heineke, he didn't play that good. So let's just right. put that in some context, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Does that make sense?
3: Like, yeah, he, totally. He would, it's for like for his well, first pe- People debut, were like, they need to talk about him taking Heineke's job, and, and I think you were very quick to say, like, no, like he was, he did some really nice things, but like, yeah, no,
2: right. And so I think the question that you want to navigate here is more one of politics from a coaching standpoint with the Sam Howell situation, right? Um, do you want to have this conversation on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, next week, if he does play with the twos? Do you want to have a talk about how he's supplanting Heineke and what they've seen from him? I guarantee you Ron Rivera does not want that to happen. So to avoid that type of thing, and it's not, you know, if 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 you were doing this in a vacuum, if you were doing this in a bubble, free from media and free from external analysis, yes, I would do that. I would put him in. I want to see what he can do. That's what I would do. But because you have to kind of navigate all the other nonsense associated with that decision and say, and then having to answer questions about, well, what are you going to do with Heineke? Da, da, da. And I might be perfectly happy with Heineke. And then I have to navigate Heineke's feelings in the conversation too, right? So I wouldn't do that just from a person standpoint, just from like a human being standpoint. From a football standpoint, yeah, hell yeah. Put him out there. I want to see what he can do. But I yeah. don't want to be answering questions about it for the for the next week until the se- or until the season starts
3: right so not to get ahead of myself but to get ahead of ourselves uh, <laughs> you also have the third preseason game right and yeah, like let them go we, we'll, we'll, uh, what I was going to say is like you've got these injury concerns would you just play how the like you can kind of do this in preseason game three while yep. not playing. Taylor or Carson at all like I would dress Taylor in that third game because you have to have someone ready to go unless you like if you can create a roster spot and bring back Cole Kelly then sure but yeah. like other than that you dress Heineke I'd play how the entire third preseason game I because think that's I, don't, I don't need Heineke to take any extra snaps like I and, and it feels weird because you the you go well why why would you you want to be ready just in case and you know last year a quarter into the season he's your starter and you're gonna be like whoa we should have got him more snaps but I think the important thing is like making sure he's healthy and he if he's in a good place and has a good week like I would just bench not bench I would I would not draft or not plan to play either of my two top quarterbacks because I know exactly what they are and they're comfortable in the offense and all that and I just give Howell the third and then you can play him with the twos and nobody's gonna say a thing
2: right I think you know, I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that's what's going to happen anyway. Hire me, you know what someone. I mean? give, yeah.
3: me, give me a job besides <laughs> the ones that I get talking into microphones.
2: I, I think that's that's going to happen. That was going to happen regardless, and I think you're going to get a lot of, answers, a lot of questions answered about somehow. The only reason to do it this week, again, I'm kind of like just playing devil's advocate, would be you're going to get a little bit more of a game plan defense as opposed to the third preseason game, which is literally just going to be the Wild West. I mean, you've you've covered. I've played in them. You've covered them. You know how crazy those games get, right? It's just like, we're going to run duo 40 times in this game, or we're going to, you know what I mean? Like, it just, you get weird stuff happening. And it's not, it's not a, it's a good evaluation because you get to see how guys run and hit and do all that stuff. But it's, it's tough because you're not playing. It's, it's a variation of real football at that point. I
3: don't know, though. If, if the Ravens win this week, they're going to be going for 25 straight preseason wins, (laughs) I think will be the number. That streak, they might, they might go all out, Logan.
2: Yeah, it's true. You're right. They might do all out. They might play their starters <laughs> okay in the point. first quarter. <laughs>
3: oh, I don't know. I,
2: I don't I don't care about that really. But I, I think it's a good point though. I think I think it's it's you wanna see if fans wanna see Hallamore, you're gonna see a lot of him in the third game. A lot. So get ready for that. If you wanna see him in this game, he'll play probably in the fourth quarter. So Yeah.
3: Um Anything else to look forward to specifically, like matchups? You know, we obviously talk a lot about this Kansas City offense, but like Washington offense on Kansas City defense, what kind of challenges do they provide? What else are you looking for?
2: Washington uh, Washington offense on Kansas City defense. I'd like to just see Brian Robinson against another defense. You know what I mean? I think, um, you know, Carolina is a good front but not a great front. And, you know, Chris Jones is a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's great inside. Can they? Can this offensive line, this patchwork offensive line, um, get some movement Create some space. Can Brian Robinson elevate this group the way he elevated the ones? That'll be really interesting to see. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, this defense, like the the receivers, honestly, versus this secondary. I want to see a game plan. I want to see guys guys get targets. I want to see how that looks. And again, this this uh, this coverage cell is kind of similar to what they do here, so I think it should be an easy kind of mental week for the receivers, and they should be very productive. Um, I would say tight ends, but really, very few of them will be playing. Like Armani Rogers and yeah. uh, Armani Rogers and Eli Wolf, who was just signed a couple days ago. So, obviously, pretty slim pickings there. Um, but yeah, I think that offensively, that's what I want to see. Defensively, I think the thing to see is discipline from the pass rush. How disciplined can those guys be? Because they look great against Carolina, but you know, Baker Mayfield was able to get out of the pocket quite a bit. Can they be disciplined? Can they kind of squash that narrative from last year of like a lack of maturity when it comes to pass rush. That's what I want to see. I think they can do it. And then can we get some uh, some stuff cleaned up on third down? Some of those things we talked about, I'd like to see that as well, just in terms of getting Benjamin St. Juiced out there. How does that affect this defense? How does that affect that nickel position? Do they get much more productive? Because in camp when he's playing, they have been much more productive.
3: Yeah. I that That is something that I think made me sleep a little bit easier on the third down stuff was – like They like to go man a ton on third down, and when you go man, the men matter. And uh, yep. Danny Johnson, compared to Benjamin St. Juice, we all do respect Danny, who's a great guy. Uh, I covered him for a couple of years. Uh, always a great guy to talk to. Uh, he's a fringe roster guy and has been his whole career. And Benjamin St. Juice is a guy we think would be pretty freaking good as right. a nickel corner. So um, that'll be interesting to watch. Of course, you can watch Logan on the sidelines. Uh, what's your game plan? You got you got your, your notes. You're ready to go. You You've been there before now. Like... We're, yeah, we're I'm
2: I'm ready to go. I was actually just gonna. It was funny when you mentioned that. I was like, I got to email my producer for the list of interview names so I can start doing my prep on that. Because like, how do you find all those little things? You got to prep it, prep it out. Yep. So get that taken care of. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. It'll be interesting to go to Kansas City and not play a football game. You know, yeah. like this will you be the first your time
3: ever. Spot picked out.
2: <laughs> I don't know anything. You you said you're going to text me some spots. So yeah, uh, we
3: got we can go either Q39 or Joe's. Those are my two favorites. But you basically can't go wrong. Uh, I had Damon Mendelara CBS Sports Radio, who's a great friend of mine, uh, and used to work in Kansas City. On the other day, and he had a great way to put it. He's like, basically, you can go to other cities and get great barbecue. You they have their all star whatever. Kansas City is yeah. the only one. That, like, they have a rotation full of Cy Young pitchers. Like, everywhere <laughs> you go is the best barbecue you've ever had. There's a couple best of the best. I'll text them to you so you don't have to remember them. But Thank uh, you, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, so, we will talk to Logan when he is full of barbecue and has another game under his belt uh, on Monday. Uh, this year podcast called Take Command. Make sure that you subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, and we come to you Mondays and Thursdays. We will have two episodes for you next week. Uh, We'll peel back the curtain here, record regularly on Monday. Logan and I are also going to record something on Wednesday before I head out. Uh, and then and then I'll be out the next week because uh, I'm gonna go get married. So look uh, at you. Look at me. Uh, so we will we will have our two regular episodes next week. There will be two the week after as well. I just won't be on them and then we'll be back and better than ever ready to go during the regular season. Uh, have a great call, uh, Logan, and we'll see you back here Monday on Takeback. <laughs>